All right, welcome back to the Ugly Pike podcast. Again, we're so excited. We have a returning guest uh, who I think, Frank, you're going to agree. We had a really interesting discussion with him back in 2017. Uh, amongst many things, uh, he's an innovative bait maker. He's a guide for over 20 years. Uh, of course, he's a musky fanatic, uh, the owner of Musky Hunter magazine. And also, he's an amazing musky photographer, if that's a real designation. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Greg Thomas, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're glad to have you back, and we're looking forward to this. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I, uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Chris, of all the things that Greg is, as you know, in the musky fishing history, uh, you know, Greg is, is nobility. But all I ever think of Greg is that guy that takes the greatest picture I've ever seen. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you because when, 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 when we got to talk to greg like i think when we first reached out to him or we first connected it was like we want to ask you about your you know how you take these pictures and you know a little bit about your musky uh you know tips but then we realized oh my god this guy has made a life and career of this he knows so much information and it's one of those things that we can talk about pretty much on any musky topic and we're going to learn from you so I uh, was excited to get this follow up uh, with you because, you know, we could touch on some new things, but also, you know, we do want to ask you about your any any new exciting images. But yeah, um, I don't know where to start, Frank. I, I think I remember, Greg, you told us last time you were putting like over 200 days on the water. Uh, you started in, I believe it was Kentucky Cave Run. Then you moved over to St. Clair. Then you moved over to Minnesota. Are you still running that same circuit or things completely changed for you? No, I mean, I'm doing some of that. I still do cave run. That's home. That's where I started. And that's kind of my home base where uh, everything is kind of really ran out of. And then I go to Minnesota still in the fall. Uh, but in the, this summer, I actually took a little break and I'm up at Lake of the Woods Lodge up in uh, Ontario. It's going to Nestor Falls. And um, basically helping them out with some social media stuff, promotion stuff. And, you know, after COVID, a lot of these lodges really took it on the chin. And uh, they invited me up and we kind of worked out some deals and, and everything. And I'm up here kind of on a consultant slash, you know, uh, videography and, and stuff to help them get, uh, get back on track. Really cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, we and did, you're, you're there as we speak, right? Yeah, I'm sitting at a lot. I'm sitting in my cabin right now, looking out at the lake. Um, it's a. It's actually a beautiful day here today. We had um, in Nestor on Monday. They we had a microburst move through. It didn't hit the island, but you know, two miles away, kind of right at the boat ramp at the government dock. I mean it. Uh, there's two lodges, uh, resorts right there, and, and they had uh, roofs ripped off cabins, trees on cabins, um, a campground got destroyed. I mean, it just, they got absolutely killed. But today it's beautiful, so we were really lucky. Wow. Greg, we did an episode with uh, with Julian Kalka during the blood and guts of the shutdowns and stuff, just to like get the owners, lodge owners' experience out there and Chris and I are very empathetic to these lodge owners, and uh, it's really cool to hear that you're being active and assisting. And um, I don't know, maybe would you mind taking a minute or two and talking about the lodge that you're at and maybe what makes it great so our maybe our <laughs> listeners uh, will be turned on to that property? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm at Lake of the Woods Lodge. It's an island lodge, which I love. Um, you know, it's not the, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people like the drive to ones. I love the island, the remoteness of it. Um, we're on a 35 acre island and there's trails on the island that people can, can walk and go see. Um, one of the things that Lake of the Woods is battling right now, though, uh, including Rainy Lake is a high water. I mean, they are at record heights right now. And so a lot of people that have cabins here or like this lodge and all the lodges, they're dealing with this five feet of extra water in uh, in, oh, Lake wow. of, in Lake of the Woods. And I mean, you know, to put that into perspective, I mean, five feet of water in a million acres, that is uh, yeah. that is something, you know, to behold. And I mean, it's just a, a huge, huge undertaking. The water's actually going down now. Uh, it's went down a few inches, but you know, it, it takes a lot of time to get that to go. But you know, this lodge here, we've got a lot of cabins, uh, a lot of stuff available. They do do American Plan. Um, Pat Boyd, uh, who is the owner, is an amazing cook. Uh, the food is amazing, and that's one thing I think I'm going to gain weight while I'm here. Um, and you know the the fishing the fishing right around the lodge is is really good. I mean we've caught a lot of fish. Uh, the guests have within you know a couple miles of camp. We're in the far east side of Nestor uh, of Sabascong Bay. Um, so to get to Main Sab, uh, you're only about a fifteen to twenty minute boat ride uh, to get out to the main water. Uh, but there's still good fishing right around camp, not only muskie, but there's, you know, walleye, uh, perch uh, and, and smallmouth. Um, they also own a uh, or have access to they don't own, but um, they have they're the only ones that have access to a private portage lake that uh, that I haven't got to go to yet. That's my goal here in the next couple of weeks, uh, that if you're a smallmouth guy or walleye guy or even pike is just uh, phenomenal. Well, Greg, just to stay on this topic, so with with five extra feet of water, has that changed your whole kind of fishing strategy and and how you're approaching the typical spots maybe from previous years? Yeah, when I'm getting out, um, it is uh, it, for one. I mean, you really got to watch your map because stuff that's on the map, you know, an island that's, you know, the, like one of the big bald islands or something that's on the map, it might actually be an inch under the water now. So you have to really watch that. And then two, um, you have to watch it from a standpoint of the map says, okay, it's three feet. Well, now it's eight. Um, it, it's definitely changed the fishing a little bit. I, I think, you know, we have gotten quite a few fish on, uh, on blades you know, I throw a lot of the musky mayhem products, the the nine ten uh, uh, combos, um, and that. Uh, hold on, I, sorry, my computer's yelling at me. Uh, this is dumb. Uh, but uh, the 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 water is deeper, and and so but the the nine ten combos, the showgirls. Uh, and the juniors have all been well. The topwater bite hasn't been that great. And I think some of that might be because we really warmed up here. Water temps are in the upper 70s when it's, you know, we had some calm, flat days. But uh, it actually has cooled down quite a bit. We've had, you know, since that storm, the temperatures dropped. Uh, we've had quite, you know, we had a northwest wind yesterday pushing over 20 mile an hour. And uh, 
that was, you know, that really cooled it down. So the water temps are in that 72 to 74 range right now. Mainly rock structure have not caught a lot of fish out of weeds, but it doesn't seem like the weeds have grown that good this year, mainly because of the deeper, um, the deeper water in the areas where they're usually at, you know, um, but the fish, I mean, there's still some big fish being caught. There's been some, uh, you know, fish in the upper forties caught in here at camp already. Um, I've gotten several to mid forties. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely shaping up. The summer, um, has been good. I've been here about three weeks and, uh, got a chance to fish some and, uh, you know, there's definitely quite a few fish moving around right now. So I'm looking forward to, to what's to come. Yeah. I'm Chris, I couldn't be any more jealous. <laughs> I know on an island, 35 acre Island, Lake of the woods. I mean, that's uh paradise, right? Yeah, it's much uh, paradise. It's it's really nice. I mean, it, it you know it's it's really similar to downtown Detroit, uh, Michigan. Um, you know, it's the parallels are unbelievable. Um, at least uh, when I hear gunshots, I know they're not at me. So uh, that's uh, <laughs> usually usually I should say. Um, so it's one of those. Uh, one of those deals. So no, it's, it truly is beautiful. It's, you know, you wake up every morning and you look out and you, you see the lake and, you know, you hear loons and, uh, not, uh, not car crashes. So that's, uh, that's always a good thing. Or, or gunshots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, no, that's well, Chris, I mean, we're not going to be up at the Lake of the Woods, but in a, in a, in a couple short weeks, or actually after this, uh, when this airs, uh, in a week or so, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, be be on up, we'll be up in our lodge up on Lake Nipissing. So uh, until then, we're going to have to live, live vicariously through, uh, through Greg. <laughs> at the beginning of this talk, I was so excited to talk to Greg. Now I'm just like total FOMO. Uh, <laughs> But that's great, Greg. I mean, congratulations to you to be able to have a, you know, a career and, and just a lifestyle that let, lets you live life like this. I mean, it's just, to me anyways, it's it's what it's all about. And, and you know what, uh, you know, Chris, hopefully we'll get uh, to be uh, something like that with our lifestyles. Hopefully the beer helps us to take us there. Greg, I'm not sure if you know that we're uh, coming out with the Ugly Pike uh, Pilsner. And nice. uh, the sales are are. are yeah, so we're super excited about that, and um, it's, where, it's a uh, delicious beer, and we have some really. Where can that be found? Oh, okay. So listen, you're in Canada now, so this is really great news. Although Chris and I have plans to bring the brand into the United States, that's uh, phase two or three. But uh, until the end of August, you are going to be able. You are well. Let's talk in the present tense because this episode will air uh in, in, in a couple of weeks but you just have to go to uh ugly pike brewing uh uglypikebrewing.com and you click the buy now button and shipping is free anywhere in canada until the end of august okay well so i will you'll definitely be able to get do your- that good the will, sale uh, opens tomorrow yeah the sale opens tomorrow greg and and we ship at the end of the month so fyi all right, so this is... you're going to get this beer and you're going to look... Go ahead. <coughs> Sorry, go Sorry, ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to say Greg, you're going to get this beer and you're going to you're going to look at the can and you're going to think, this is exactly where I need to be right now because it's a picture of, you know, a muskie with a lake setting and you're going to be sitting on your island and you're going to be 
it's going to pair very nicely with the context that you're in right now. Well, that's that's cool. How did this come about? Were you? I mean, are you guys? Did you have a connection in the in the brewing business, or did you just decide to order one of those kits offline and make it in the bathtub, or how did uh, how did this come about? <laughs> uh, you want to take this, or am I taking it? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so um, we actually had uh, uh, we have a, a very uh, big and state of the art um, uh, brewery down here. It's a brand new brewery, and um, the owner is uh, actually a, an associate of mine, but, you know, he uh, was listening to the show and heard uh, a lot of the messages, Greg, we talked about when the closures were happening about, you know, and we have this on our label about the, the risk to our culture when we, you know, the ramps were closed, Greg, up here and everything, you know how it is up here. And, sure. And we we, 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 yeah, so we were really lamenting about, you know, what happens to our Canadian culture and, and the, the treasured angling and hunting you know, practices that, that define who we are. If we're, if we're not allowed to take these new generations and do this, even for a season or two, it has a big impact on our culture. And uh, so this master brewer contacted us. And, and so it's a, uh, we're brewing in one of the, the best and newest state of the art brew houses in the country. And um, we're securing massive distribution deals right now. So this is a, a, a turning into a very big project uh, for us. And um, we've we've made some great headways. So we are we are tiering our sales avenues, and the first avenue will be online. Like I said, goes live uh, or went live. Goes live July twenty second, shipping end of the month. Uh, and then our retail outlets we're going to announce uh, probably in the next week or two. So um, it's we've got massive traction. Um, I don't know if you're on your uh, on your phone or not, but I'll I'll shoot you I'll shoot you and. Uh, an image of the uh of the can so you can take a look at it okay so that's how it's yeah that's how it started well that's uh that's great the reason why i was laughing when you said the bathtub i mean that's what we do overseas when we need to uh make our alcohol in in dry (laughs) countries we go to the bathtub well (laughs) well i i'm from i'm from kentucky there's uh we have stills. I know. I, I've I've seen firsthand where alcohol comes from. So it, uh, it's definitely a, you know Kentucky is we're a bourbon state. So you know all the bourbon comes out of our our things, and uh, you know the only difference between bourbon and moonshine is the barrel it's set in. So uh, that's uh, that's it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay, well, enough about us, Greg. I know that uh, part of the reason you wanted to come on today and uh, I shot you a couple of those images um, was you wanted to make an announcement about what's going on in your world with Musky Hunter Magazine. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can't wait. I like that can. Who took Isn't those that pic- nice, Chris? Who Chris, the- who, uh, who took the pictures for you? <laughs> Chris, Those? go ahead. Oh, yeah, I, I took them, Greg. Nice. I like the angles you used. I, I, I took them. Nice. Thanks. That is that is, uh, that is really cool. No, I uh, I definitely uh, definitely got to get some of that and keep the can because I love that can. Um, the uh, well, I tell you what. I mean, you guys are coming out with this beer. I mean, with Musky Hunter, we might have you a uh, when you get to you know your sales going up, we might have a way to help you sell it. Um, you know, Muskie Hunter Magazine has been around for 31 years and, 
it's been a, uh, a thing that, you know, I grew up reading. Um, most people don't realize it, but we do read in Kentucky or somebody reads it to us. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've always enjoyed. And, and ever since I was a little kid, um, would go get, and it was just a, a great, uh, a great, you know, avenue. And it was basically, you know, the only publication you could find musky information, you know, every once in a while, an in fisherman magazine would have, a uh, in the States would have an article, but other than that, it was, it was nothing. And so musky hunter had been around for a long, long time. And in 2018, uh, my partner Tony Grant and I actually took over the publication and and really kind of turned it a uh, you know changed a lot of the layout and and tried to modernize it as much as we can. But you know, COVID happened, and not only did it uh, affect um, you know everything, it affected everything. And in the print business. Um, we, it, it really, really got it. I mean, it just, it made printing really, really tough. I mean, it basically our print cost in a matter of three months went up 50%. Um, so that wasn't good. Oh and, God. you know, being it's 2022 and, you know, uh, a lot of advertisers are looking to go more online and, and this is something that we had planned to do, and it was kind of the, the plan with the magazine, um, but not this fast. Um, but we've taken Muskie Hunter Magazine, and it's it, it's basically going to be a digital-only magazine now. Um, and we also have developed an app, and this is something I would like all your listeners to do, is you go to, uh, go to the App Store or Google Play and... Type in Musky Hunter Magazine and download our new app. Um, we are going to continue to do a digital issue uh, throughout the remainder of the year or for a little while. You know, you know, at least the remainder of this year, maybe longer. Um, we're giving everyone who is a subscriber currently, we're giving them all free access to our digital archive, which means if you are a subscriber, you go into your account, you know, type in your account number. And you're going to see there that you're going to be able to view every Muskie Hunter magazine that's ever been printed in digital form. Um, the app itself, uh, we've I worked a long time on it, and I know nothing about apps. So it's me just talking to the developer going, can we do this? Can we do this? And, and, and you know, either get told no, maybe, or go away. And... They came up with some really great stuff. We have trolling charts on there uh, for a bunch of different lures stuff. I'm adding pretty much every week, every couple of weeks. Um, there is articles uh, and posts being added every day to the app. One new one a day. Uh, there is a weight calculator on there. There's a photo gallery on there. You could submit your photos. Um, just a ton of stuff that we're doing. And we're also got links to our YouTube and podcast on there. Um, it, it's just, it's a lot of information that's at the, you know, at the palm of your hands that one thing that the magazine really frustrated me with. And I think it's been the main reason we don't have magazine newspapers and it's been a, you know, really detrimental to that is the fact that, that it's it's current information you know with the magazine we had to work oh gosh 
three months ahead. And some of the stuff we reported on had already happened, you know, three months earlier. And just because mm. of the way the print cycle works. And so by doing it this way, I think we're going to be, or I know we're going to be a lot more current, um, get people information. We have a PMTT section on there to cover everything that's happening in the tournaments. Um, it's just a lot of stuff you'll be able to get right there on your phone. And, you know, just make sure you click allow your push notification so that we can send you updates uh, and everything. But it's been really exciting. We're getting down, you know, we're getting you know, downloads every day. We're, you know, thousands of downloads and um, it, it's just really, really cool. And it'd be a great place to showcase Ugly Pike beer. Um, so. Well, Greg, I mean, what what's great also about having it in the palm of your hand you, when you're on the boat and you have all these interactive uh, up-to-date tools, people can be using that information while they're fishing, right? Sure. I mean, the trolling charts is something I think uh, people are really going to get a kick out of and really enjoy because on those charts, I mean, you know, how deep does a, you know, a depth trader go, you know, if I want to get it down 10 feet, how much line do I need to put out? Um, and, and, you know, those things vary based upon li- based upon line diameter and speed. But if you have a, you know, at four mile an hour with 80 pound test, it goes down this deep. That'll give you a, a starting point because a lot of people don't even have a starting point. You know, when I was young, you know, how I figured out how deep <clears throat> lures went is I was like, okay, there's sand on that point. It's 10 feet deep. Just keep crossing it and keep letting line out till I hit bottom. Uh, and that's, you know, that's how I learned all my line depths. Um, and this way you can just literally bring it right up on your, on your phone and, and you'll be able to look at it there. Also uh, on the app, you know, if you're, say you're going to go fishing somewhere, say you're going to come up to Lake of the Woods, you, the, the app is also keyword search available. So you could type in, you know, search Lake of the Woods, everything on Lake of the Woods will come up. So that's also really big. I, I got to say the, um, the, the I, just kind of going back, the, the, the depth uh, scores for some of these crankbaits is, uh, is massive. Like, I've been getting into trolling a lot the last couple of years, Greg. And um, like I, 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 if we alluded to this in our last podcast, I, I have one crankbait that I'm always trolling. I just, I love it. Super confident, super productive. Um, and I, I know that I'm, so, I'm, we're as productive with this bait as we are because we know the exact depths. We have them written down. Like we have them written down in our tackle boxes and it's a game changer. So to be able to have an app, that's going to allow you to, I'm not sure if you search by, by bait or whatever, but whatever that looks like, um, to be able to go into a catalog of, of baits or a variety of baits and, and get a baseline, basically what you're saying, is get a baseline for what those rules for, for depth are, um, that's going to make you a better angler at that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, knowing exactly where to put your bait and how deep your bait is running and to replicate a pattern, say so you catch a fish. And you want to be able to replicate that depth uh, with another lure, you know, or another style of lure and get it down to that same depth. Maybe, you know, if you've got a, oh, let's say you caught a, a, a fish on a, you know, for instance, a, a depth rater down 10 feet. And but you're like, well, I don't have another depth rater or uh, I want to try a, a bigger bait. And you want to try maybe, a, let's say, a headlock or a 10 inch jake. And you could put it down in that same zone, which I'm a big believer in zones uh, when fish are feeding. 
Um, but you want to put something a little bit bigger, maybe a little different wiggle down there to see if it'll produce a bigger fish. Um, you'll know exactly how far to put it back. Greg, I want to I want to kind of talk about this. That that's a really interesting point, and I'm glad to hear you say zones. And Chris, I know that like when we were fishing on the St. Lawrence late season, we had to get at times we had to get the bait to touch the fish's nose on the bottom and. You know, when we were striking, you know, Chris, we talked about dissecting the water column. And when we were striking out at um, at different, you know, shallower depths, when when we, the one time I remember when we made the modification and went right in front of the fish's face, <clears throat> excuse me, we started getting success. Conversely, uh, on Nipissing, you know, a lot of people were telling us, you know, and, and even Degagne said in our, our, our series with him, ah, you know what, I, I rarely ever get my baits down deeper than 12, 13 feet, uh, doesn't matter what the depth of the water that I'm fishing in is, you know, my, uh, essentially we fish shallow. So whether that's a shallow running crankbait or that's a, um, a, a bucktail that you're trolling or whatever, um, they're not, they're not going deep into the water column. So Greg, I don't know, I don't know if there's a comment or an insight to be gleaned from this or if there's something that you see on Lake of the Woods, that's similar. That's like a depth rule, even if it's seasonally. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Because like here we have a we have a pattern that is telling us to go deep, and then on a totally different lake, I've heard from a number of very good anglers that they never go deep. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to well. I think fish go deep regardless of what body of water they are, and fish go shallow no matter what body of water they are. Um, like I said, I'm a big believer in zones, and zones meaning um, can change in the course of a, a time of year. Um, they can even change in the course of you know a weather pattern or a week, meaning that you know in the summer uh, here in Northwest Ontario. Uh, further north you are, you get the water temps in that upper 60s, low to mid 70s range. Sure, a lot of fish are going to be up shallow chasing, whether it be on rocks or weeds. Um, but uh, also, you know, you get flat, calm days, those fish, you know, that so they're going to be on that top zone, the top five feet. But then, you know, you get days that it's hot and, you know, flat, calm. There's going to be fish that slide off and they'll be in that second zone that that, let's say, five to 12 feet um uh, of water and then you're going to get fish that uh, again that that spend most of their time maybe in that deeper zone of uh, maybe that 12 to 20 feet i don't like in the summer pulling fish up deeper than 20 feet and that 20s even that's pushing it because of the air bladder and, and and they bloat and and all that now that's you know with a thermocline now in the fall i don't think it matters quite as much um, in the fall, cause you know, the water's pretty much stratified and those fish, those fish can be anywhere, you know, how they could be sitting on the bottom in 50 feet. Now, granted, I'm probably not going to fish for those fish, but, um, I think it's a, uh, it's a deal where, um, fish relate, you know, definitely will move deeper in the fall. Um, and in, in the hot water, they're definitely going to move deeper as well, but you got to make sure. You know, you don't want to fish for those super deep fish fish in the heat because um, they're going to definitely, uh, definitely get hurt. But finding that zone that, you know, those fish are related to, the active fish are relating to, um, because, you know, like, uh, for instance, up here last week, we had a lot of really hot, flat, calm weather. I mean, hell, we were in the 90s 
uh, over the weekend. And the shallow fish, you could see a few fish on bucktails, but they just, they weren't eating, not even in the evening. And another guy here at camp went out and threw a Medusa uh, in that 8 to 12 foot range and uh, ended up boating in one, you know, they had a day where he caught five fish all over 40. Uh, and those fish, yeah, those fish were just in that secondary zone. And I, and I think that's really important. I mean, it, it, it's really, really important to be able to, to, to cover those different zones and remember that they're there. Um, the secondary breaks just cause you can't see it. You know, we're blessed right now with the technology of these, of these lake maps to see stuff that, you know, we're seeing stuff now that we're never seen before and you're able to fish those different zones and, and everything. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that's the big debate too now with the live sonar technology um, that people are getting, you know, with the live scope. I know there's huge debates right now in the U S with the live scope technology on it. And uh, a lot of it comes down to fishing the deeper zones that we we're not able to do before. And uh, is it detrimental um, to the fishery. Greg, Greg uh, for, can, can you just explain, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of listeners know, but just in, in case it's not clear, what, how are you defining a zone? Are you defining it just on the depth column? Or are you looking at the plan view and combine like with the depth, like an area and you dissect it based on the depth, the area that if you're on a point, you're on a, a rock shoal, you're on a, a on the weed line. Is your zone when you speak of a zone, you're only speaking of the depth, the column of water, if the fish is suspended or it's shallow, or are you thinking of are you talking about the whole kind of context of where you're fishing as a zone? I'm talking more water depth um, as a zone. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's different. You know, you know. Basically, if I was referring to like a bay or something like that, that would be more of a location. Um, and there's, so I, I, when I'm talking zones, I'm talking about water depths, you know, the top, middle, lower water depth uh, zone. So, you know, like uh, fish that are, you know, shallow, if the fish are really moving on bucktails, top water, um, even jerk baits, those fish are, um, you know, they're in that upper, that upper zone. Now, Here's the deal, though. If those fish are moving on it but not biting, okay, and that's the key, if those fish are, are moving but not biting, then those are zones that those fish just aren't active. They're not feeding there. And you'll see that a lot um, in, in warmer water, right, where the water temperature gets kind of warm and the fish are kind of sluggish up there. Um, they're, they're, they're coming in, but they're really not biting. Um, so those fish typically in that warmer water are are feeding in the deeper zones they're they're like that secondary zone you may not have any follows but you might catch three does that make sense um you're 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 getting bites but you may not yeah. be seeing fish but you're catching which is what we're trying to do anyway um yeah and, I, and that, I, 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 no 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 go ahead sorry, sorry Greg, go ahead uh well i mean the I, zones okay. are okay i i don't know <laughs> Go ahead. We're doing real, we're, we're doing we're doing really well here. Um, no, it's just the those the depth zones. The depth zones are all um, something that I just you know have over the years have have always played uh, a big part of how I fish, and then also lures that can get into those zones. You know, so 
like say you're raising fish on a deep diving crankbait, for instance. So that bait is hitting in that, you know, let's say at, at the peak depth, that thing is diving at eight feet. All right. So, all right, eight feet down, you're getting follows on this, but you're not getting fish to bite. So what other bait can I put in that zone? Uh, the, the, the biggest thing and the most popular would be soft plastics. And that's what makes soft plastics so universal is you can work them both shallow, deep, uh, you know, mid and deep. So that's that's a, that's one of the reasons why they're so effective and, and so versatile. But you can also work, you know, slow roll a bucktail, slow roll a spinnerbait. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different baits that you can get down there and maybe figure out what those fish want to eat. So that's you know that's the zone stuff for me. Cool. I I find that different bodies of water act completely differently. Like when I fish, um, like when I fish. Maybe it's just clear water. I don't know. But like when I fish in the St. Lawrence or in the, even in the Niagara River here, um, we don't see m- many follows at all. Um, when I fish Eagle Lake, every freaking fish is a follow. Oh, like, yeah. What the hell? Mm-hmm. That's weird, eh? I mean, it's the same kind of fish. In some, some cases, we're talking even the same strain of fish, but entirely different um, behavior. Uh, so I guess what? Is that is that a water is that a water condition thing? I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, when you're fishing the St. Lawrence and you're fishing Niagara, Niagara you're fishing heavy current. Um, I've fished both of them. And those fish, I don't think, are going to move unless they're going to eat. Because they have to expend a lot of energy to come up through that current. And I think those fish are more are definitely more reactive to, they have to, um, you know, I, I don't know how the language thing goes on here. Crap or get off the pot um, yeah. to uh, to take a bait. Um, where on a lake, especially you know a clear water lake um, like Eagle, and trust me, I fished Eagle quite a bit, and Eagle has handed me my butt more times than I care to remember. Uh, but you see some just gigantic fish out there. Uh, I've had an opportunity to catch a few, but man, it is a uh, it's definitely a, a, a tough body of water. And, and out there, it seems like you definitely rely on um, at times speed, um, light levels, wind, um, soul lunar, um, and weather. You know, that's, that, that's a lake that will really um, throw you some curves. Is, uh, is Lake of the Woods the same as Eagle and Sewell in the sense that, like, for as Frank alluded to like we were at almost 98 percent if not a hundred on most days of fish contact was at the boat so it was all about your figure eight technique after you pulled it in and if you you know that was your chance for success but there was very rare occasions that they were biting on the retrieve or when the when the lure hit the water is that the same in lake of the woods lake of the woods is a figure eighters paradise um you know, these fish up here love the eight. Um, they'll hit on the seventh, eighth, ninth turn sometimes. And uh, they <laughs> are they are definitely a figure eighters fish up here. Um, you can get some on the cast. I will say that, especially after some kind of change, like maybe a water temperature drop or, or something like that. But uh, these fish definitely love figure eights. And, you know, I've started going to... to you know, most of the rods I throw now are all, uh, especially in the summertime when I'm throwing bucktails and rub, uh, soft plastics, uh, 
is uh, I'm using nine, eight and 10 foot rods. And that really, really helps you out on figure eighting. Yeah. Those 10 foot rods are magical on your back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not, not only I find too on, on your back, but like if you have to push the rod down deeper uh, to entice a fish that, you know, maybe you saw headed in the other direction and you want to kind of get that uh, bait down deeper. Uh, that extra rod is invaluable. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, it's it's all really, really well, good Greg, stuff. I, 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 I... Go, go ahead, Greg. No, I just said it's all really good stuff. Okay, okay. I was just going to say, Greg, like before we get into even more technical discussions or tips that you can give us, I just wanted to go back to the to the Musky Hunter magazines going digital, and I I was I had a question when you were talking, uh, but I didn't want to interrupt you. It, did you say that the actual like right now you have a digital magazine, right? That that people can review the magazine digitally, and and then now you're coming up with the app. Is the is the digital magazine going to stop it, like completely, and then everything is going to be app based? So articles or whatever will all be integrated into the app, or you're still going to produce a digital magazine? Uh, eventually, the app is going to become the magazine um, where we can release articles weekly um, and way more currently. Um, we are uh, looking at at doing that within the next couple of years of just making the app the magazine. Um, again, it's all about just getting information out to people in a, in a concise, quicker format and a, an ability for everybody to um, get stuff as, as you know, the season uh, and the time of year calls for it. And, and you're going to have on the app a full archive of all the previous Muskie Hunter magazines? That is the goal eventually. Right now, we do not have that. Uh, mainly because PDFs and the app currently are not very friendly to each other. Um, yeah. Right now, we're we're working on uh, a way to do that. That's not going to happen. Probably, I mean, it's going to be when I can get uh, when I get back home this winter and really be able to sit down and do something. Uh, right now, it's just that's just something we can't do. But if you are a subscriber, all you have to do is go into your account. And you will have access to all the old issues. Amazing. Okay, I'm I'm on uh, uh, the I, Apple uh, iOS store here. What what is the name of the magazine? Mus the Musky Hunter Mag is that the app? Yes. Is it blue? Yeah, blue Musky Hunter Mag, the authority yes. in uh, musky fishing. Yep, that's it. Okay, that's it. You'll be able to... right now. Yeah, watch out for the virus. No, uh, you'll be good. <laughs> surprise surprise Sur surprise that's yeah we're gonna have to open one of those beers we send to uh greg okay <laughs> yeah so, exactly. uh, I like so we uh <laughs> guys on uh on android in the google store greg it's musky hunter magazine right uh musky 360 media yes okay beauty Installing. This is nice. Cool. Okay, Chris, uh, we've got about uh, five minutes here. Uh, we have a hard out today. Is there uh, – I know Greg submitted a list to us. Then maybe we should pick uh, something off that list and, and uh, get some thoughts. I think we, we really discussed the uh, patterns already. Uh, we discussed the, 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 the magazine. 
I'd like to get a bit more of his opinion on the live sonar because I was like looking at a lot of stuff the other night um, or when you when you, last night, actually, when we when I found out that that was a topic he was uh, wanted to talk about. And geez, like the, the <laughs> difference now with these live scopes, it's like you're watching the fish, you're watching the fins sway in the water as it approaches your bait. And, you know, I wanted to get your you know your your input on what what do you mean by the debate like you mean the debate is it fair is it hurting the fish you know the on the other side people talk about how it's uh, it's helping you understand the behavior of the fish and it just doesn't mean because you have it you're going to catch fish or you're going to be this superman on on the water you still have to know how to use it effectively like like the sonar when that came out and then maybe ask you a bit about the difference between Gen 1, the panoptics, and now the live scope. I guess it's a much higher resolution. I don't have that technology on, on, on the boat that I had. So I just want to hear your, your input on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I look at this, you know, this, this new debate now. It's just, it, to me, it's the, the trolling versus, you know, trollers versus casters of 20 years ago. Um, or the live bait versus casting or... Um, debates. It's just, it's, it's basically to me, it's a matter of opinion and I don't want to be the, you know, I'm all about um, new electronics, all that. I don't want to be the old man shaking his fist at the sun. Um, It's just, you know, when you fight technology, you know what you lose. That's what happens. Change always wins. So I'm a big believer in the live scope. I've got it. I love it. Okay. Um, the big debate with it was, and it it all really, it kind of got ramped up online, uh, because of the last PMTT on Eagle river, the guys that won it were just live scoping fish. And, you know, they, they went out and they were fishing open water and they flat out kicked ass. They caught, um, eight fish the first day, set a new record, um, ended up with 10 fish for the tournament. And after the first day, we were all just fishing for second place. I mean, it was just like, these guys are just doing it. But I also will say at the first tournament at Cave Run, those guys did not catch a fish. And last year at Cass Lake, they got uh, 12th place doing the exact same thing. So just because you can see them doesn't mean you can catch them. I use it for vertical jigging and, and, and live bait fishing in the fall. And trust me, it frustrates you just as much as it uh, helps you out. Because you see the fish, you know, and you, you know, it doesn't, just because you can see them doesn't mean you're going to catch them. Okay. I learned that fishing, fishing shallow water, shallow, clear water on Malax Lake back in the early 2000s when I lived there. One of the many post office boxes I've had in my life. Uh, And it, uh, uh, just because you could see those fish don't mean that you can catch them. So the live scope, I think, is very good. Here's my one word of caution with it. It can be very, very bad, though, in the fact that if you go and target fish and say you are out there live scoping, sharp shooting, which is what it's called most people, uh, a lot of people call it that, is that if you start targeting fish that are too deep, right? You start pulling those fish up from open water, the water's warm, and those fish come up, and they're bloated, and they can't go back down. Their air bladders explode. That's where it is dangerous. Um, So you have to be kind of morally sought to do it. Um, 
you know, you have to watch because you can pull fish up too deep with it. And that makes things a little, a little dicey, you know? It makes perfect sense. Um, it, it would be really neat to watch a sucker because you can see everything, right? I mean, it would re- be really neat to watch a sucker. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could see them blow, blow bubbles. Um, if you run a if you run a a, a, a stinger blade off the back, a, a, a tail gunner, um, you can watch the blade spin. It's absolutely stupid how incredible this is. And I think we're i I think we're on the tip of the iceberg. I think these things are just going to keep getting better and better. And oh boy, that's really going to piss people off. Um, but I think it's going to get better and better. <laughs> one. one- one of the other things I was reading as a caution, uh, Greg, was that people can get locked into it and your kind of innate fishing skills or the, the, the kind of like, um, you know, your your personal fishing experiences that you've had for so many years and what you rely on when you need to catch fish, you kind of lose all that and you just get in this tunnel vision of looking at a screen because it's so effective and you can see everything right in front of you and you know, the, the, what I was, the video I was watching, the guy was just saying like, be, be caught like caution to that because you might end up spending, you know, five hours just looking at the screen and not really, uh, you know, doing things that you would have done otherwise. So I don't know if you've had that situation or you're more kind of use it as a, as a tool when you need it, or you end up just sitting there with your head down, looking at that screen while you're jigging for eight hours. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a total, I mean, trust me, you get zombie mode there and, and watch that baby. But um, it, it, it is, it, yeah, I mean, there's guys, I mean, even like, you know, I know a lot, I know guys that fish, you know, live scope and they go out and do it and they may only make a dozen cast in a day because um, they're just casting at fish, you know, when they see a fish. Um, to me, that would, I would have a hard time doing that every day. Um, I still like just going out fishing, hunting and stuff like that, but in a tournament situation, I can see where it's effective, you know? Yeah. But in in that, in that regard, then is everybody, I mean, what the the guy who won the tournament with the live scope, everybody else had the opportunity to use that, right? If they wanted to, it wasn't like he had special, um, um, you know, it was a special case. I mean, everybody's it's an even playing field if everybody's using it. Yeah, I mean everybody can do it. His uh, uh, Noah's uh, his name's Noah. He's the one that won, or Nolan. He's the one that caught the Minnesota state record last year, um, and uh, using the live scope. But you know, like a lot of people were really aggravated because he had eight live scopes on his boat, um, and <laughs> oh yeah, a military vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It how uh, he had. He had uh, well. He had well. He had he had five Garmin's on his on his dash. Um, each one of them dedicated to a different transducer. Um, it's well, it's Greg, those are it's, those are three grand pop. Yeah, it's something to see. Yeah, he's. I don't know. I don't. I, you know. I don't know Nolan that well, but uh, uh, I don't think he's a musky guide. Um, it's uh, those things are uh, yeah yeah on a six twenty two Ranger. So there's some money there. Oh, six twenty-two Ranger! Wow. Yeah. Thanks. No, I mean, and, and I think that was the big thing with it, and and I, you know what? Hey, if you can buy it and you learn how to do it effectively, you know, God bless you. You know, I I can't. I'm not going to be the guy to fight change. I'm not going to do it. Um, 
but as long as you do it safely, ethically, you know, it's good. I do think on panfish populations, though, live scope could be bad because, I mean, it's literally shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> um, you can pick the one you want to catch. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to, I, we're going to have to save up, Frank, to, yeah. to get, get it on the boat. Um, unfortunately, guys, I have a hard out because I have a family event with my wife and I got to leave. So, uh, Greg, I have like four or five other things I want to talk to you about. Um, one of them is specific about lunar cycles. Do you mind if we set up another call in the, you know, not obviously not anytime soon, but we'd love to talk to you again. And I know you're super busy, but it's just such interesting talk with you all the time. Are you open to that? Yeah, let's do it again. I might be drinking one of your beers. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, Greg, thanks for coming on. It's it's always awesome to talk to you. You're you're a great conversation and obviously a, a musky fishing uh, legend, and, and we appreciate your time. Uh, Greg, let us know what you think of the beer. Hit us up on, uh, on Instagram when you get it. And um, other than that, I think we're going to sign off so that uh, Chris doesn't have to get a divorce. All right. <laughs> One last thing for Greg. Like, you want to just... You just want to recap the whole where where they can download everything and what's the what's the tagline so it's sure you can go to uh, yeah 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 go to you know the Google Play or go to uh, um, the you know with iOS go to the Apple Store type in Musky Hunter Magazine or Musky Hunter Mag it's going to be in blue text uh, blue and white icon there download it to your phone it is absolutely free it costs you nothing to do it turn on your uh, allow push notifications so that we can send you information um, also make sure you check out everything at muskiehunter.com we are uh, still here we're still working for everything everything else is going to be business as usual we have the collectible lure that we're doing that uh, the you know, it's it's an we're doing actually the Burt bait this year. It's thirtieth year, thirtieth uh, anniversary of the Burt bait. We have a special color that uh, we're releasing uh, five hundred of them for people to buy. So, all kinds of good stuff, and I look forward to it. Um, talking with you guys again, it'll be great. And if the review I send you, if there's a lot of misspelled words, you know I've enjoyed more than one of your beers. So, <laughs> we we hope we hope you like it, and uh, we expect that you will. All right, guys, we are signing off. Thanks for listening. See ya.